having software that you don't have to think about the software anymore. So you, you oh. want systems that just work. You shouldn't have to think about the software is slowing me down, causing me pain. You want systems that just work in an efficient and effective way so that nonprofit can totally 100% focus on their ministry. Welcome to the Responsive Nonprofit Podcast, brought to you by Virtuous. Responsive nonprofits are the organizations leading with innovation to grow giving and impact. Join us each week in spirited conversation with the leading voices across philanthropy, fundraising, and nonprofit technology. Subscribe on your favorite stations or visit us at virtuous.org backslash podcast. All right. Welcome back to the show. We've got another one here. And today we are talking tech. This is going to be fun. Something that I am not an expert in, and I know that many of our listeners, you know, you're leading a nonprofit, you're an advancement person, you're executive director. Tech was probably not the thing that you got into. And and yet, we live in a technological world, right? In a digital platform society. And platforms, technology, the internet, it is absolutely fundamental and essential to us leading our nonprofits. I mean, we are platform dependent is what I like to say a lot of times to folks when I'm talking to them. And really, it's technology that is driving our missions forward. You know, it's our passions, it's our time, it's our energy and our skill sets, but then it's technology and the tools that come with that that are really helping us to propel these forward. And I know, and I would bet money, right, that many of us on this that are listening here, we're not tech people, but it's something that we're coming into contact with. And I know for many of you, we're dealing with CRMs, donation, marketing automation platforms, volunteer spreadsheets, HR, accounting. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on for us to be able to do our jobs and the people that work on our teams. And so the question I have, and what I really want to tackle today is, how do we think well about this? How do we effectively run our organizations using technology? Like, are we doing it correctly now? Are there changes that need to happen? You know, how do we pick the right platforms, right tools? And because those are big questions, I am very happy that we're bringing an expert here. And it's my friend, Toby Weiss, and he leads Rooted Software. He's the CEO of it. I think he's going to have a lot of insight for us. I'm told by friends on my virtuous team that he is super bright. And so, hey, so Toby, you can't let us down on this. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we want to just dive in there. And so Toby, welcome to the show. Can you give us a little bit of your background? Give us some of the context as we walk into this conversation about technology and nonprofit leadership. Yeah, absolutely, Robin. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to be here. As you probably all are guessing, I'm, I'm originally from the UK. I live in the California now in the Bay Area. Um, I was a CIO at an international nonprofit for about 14 years. And so we got to go through the process of selecting CRM and other systems, building custom software, integrating software together. So I got that experience hands-on in different countries. And now Rooted Software serves a whole bunch of nonprofits with selecting software, implementing it, making those right decisions. You know, It can be overwhelming sometimes when you're focused on the mission and you know you need these tools to get the job done. But picking the right ones and ones that work well together and that create efficient processes is hard. So that's what we do here here at Rooted. And we're, we're spread across the United States, coast to coast. So it's super fun, exciting. Yeah, that's great. All right, give me a little bit more context. So as I explained to you on our pre-call, and many of our listeners know I've got a heart for the UK. My family and I spent six years in London actually expanding nonprofits and charities across the UK and Western Europe before starting Vomo and, and coming back to the States. 
to do that. And so how did you get to America, right? Like, so you grew up <laughs> in Watford, I think. Kind of, That's right. Yeah. 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 Watford were on the Premiership League for a while, not anymore. I met my, now my wife, but I met her in London. She was born in San Francisco and met her. She was doing an internship with a nonprofit over there. And we did long distance for three and a half years. And then somebody okay. kind of, somebody kind of has to move and she was still in school. So <laughs> I moved here for love and yeah, 16 years, a house, four kids and a company later. I don't think I'm going to go back. Yeah, you Although, are. <laughs> yeah, you know, I figured out where to get my fish and chips over here. But yeah, I still have milk in my tea. But yeah, switch to coffee in the mornings now. But yeah, I'm happy to be here. So I feel like my accent doesn't quite fit in either place. I should probably live in an oil rig in the middle of the Atlantic. But here I am. <laughs> hey, funny side note. So as my name is Rob. When I was there, I kept, when I introduced myself to people, I say, my name's Rob. And they would say, Rab? And I'm like, no, Rob. And they say, Rab? And I say, and then finally, I just got tired of it. I was like, it's Rob. And they're like, oh, Rob, right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'd have to change the way I say it. We speak the same language, sort of, right? What I love about you and your your background, too, that I just want to bring out for our listeners is you're not just CIO, global technology officer, apps, web development, IT, like living in that world, you're also a practitioner, right? Like, so you started, I think, a homeless ministry in San Francisco Bay Area. Tell us about that, because I think that's really unique, because you're not just coming at us from like, oh, I was a corporate technology guy. You actually are in the trenches, and you're doing both jobs simultaneously. Yeah, that's right. So I have a nonprofit. It's called Hope 680. So it's my other hat that I wear, literally. And we're serving homeless individuals in the Bay Area in California. There's there's a lot of homeless people here. We serve them with information about the gospel. The, it's a faith-based ministry and providing services and counseling and life training for homeless individuals. So yeah, I've, I've got to start that, create a nonprofit, put the board together, put the mission together, and then figure out all the technology for that. And so when we're working with other nonprofits at Rooted, I know where they're coming from because I've, I've been through it. I'm, I'm dealing with some of the same things. Like, how do I manage my volunteers? How do I have a good schedule? How do I communicate effectively with my donors? So, yeah, it definitely helps to have the personal experience when I'm working with other nonprofits. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you can, you have a lot of authority and authenticity because you're living it out. You understand completely. And yet you also have this other hat of Rooted and your purview is of a lot of nonprofits across the country and seeing their needs, seeing their problems, and then devising solutions in the technology space for that. And so I want to dig into that. The big question that I have is, you know, how do we help nonprofits? How do we understand and effectively use technology? And I know you you laid out a framework for me earlier that I think we can use on the podcast to roll us through this. But you talked about, first, you got it's system assessment. We've got to figure out the framework. Secondly, it's implementation of a nonprofit CRM. Like, how do you do that successfully? And finally, it's, you got all these other platforms. How do you get these things to talk to one another and the integrations? And I was actually speaking to a colleague this morning. He's working with a nonprofit, uh, Meals on Wheels, and they're looking at maybe moving to Virtuous as a CRM, but yeah, they're using another volunteer platform and blah, blah, blah. And they've got a bunch of them. And I was like, man, I know this is the norm because it was for me when I was leading nonprofits, but wow, you want to talk about adding complexity. It's like trying to get all these things to talk to one another and double data entry and siloed departments and all of that going on. I mean, our work's hard enough already. And so if we're not set up with tech successfully to make it more efficient, we're just making our lives and our jobs even harder and probably limiting the impact in the process. So, so walk us through this. Okay. So 
when we talk about effectively utilizing technology at a nonprofit, like how do you think about that? Yeah, so it's ideally you want nonprofits to focus on their mission. And so the first question to ask is, what tools do you need to run your organization? And there's some basic tools that I think every nonprofit needs. And then there's some tools that it can be specific. So for example, every nonprofit needs an accounting system. You're going to have money in and you're going to have money out. You need an accounting system. You need a way to communicate with people. So that will be your email marketing platform. We need a way to collect donations. And so there's going to be an, some kind of way of receiving money. Normally, nonprofits have an online fundraising tool. It may be something like raise donors or it might be something else, but there needs to be a way to collect money online. You're probably going to get checks in the mail. There's probably a, a physical process that's needed in terms mm. of receiving and processing mail. And then there's something that ties all that together, right? Something where you've got these money coming in by various means, you've got emails going out, you've got accounting software that needs revenue. And so the, the in the middle piece is the donor management system or CRM that's bringing all that in. And so those are the kind of high-level systems. And then there's auxiliary systems that may exist as well. Like you might need, if there's a volunteer-heavy organization, they're going to need something like VOMO. Then you need to know who your volunteers are, what are their skill sets, what's their availability, when are they signed up. There might be some kind of a sign-up process that people have. There might be grant management, all kinds of things to think about. And so it's understanding what those needs are is really the first step in that process. That makes a lot of sense the way that you articulate it. So when you're working with an organization, are you, are you typically coming in and like auditing everything that's currently going on or, or asking just a lot of questions to try to, you know, get to the final report of what you're going to recommend? Is that how you guys do it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I found is that nonprofits, they know that they need those things I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. But if you ask them, what do you use and why do you use it? If they've been around a little while, it's like, we just use what we use because that's what we use. It's kind of like just yeah. grown organically. And oftentimes they've had a problem and they just grab something and try to solve that particular problem. But it's not common that a nonprofit has time to step back and actually have a holistic look at everything that they have, all the pieces of software they have that solve all these various problems and how do they work together or not work together. And so the first thing we'll do is do that assessment. We'll break it down by the systems and processes and we'll interview each team and say, Tell me what's working well. Like what do you love about your email marketing platform, for example? What's difficult about it? Is it user-friendly? Do you get bounce backs to your emails? And we'll document those, the good things, the pain points, and then dreams. Like what would you like your ideal system to do that you can't do today? Maybe they want to be able to send text messages to acknowledge a gift instead of just snail mail and email, for example. And so once we document all of that, then we can compare how well is your current software meeting those goals. Maybe they're not utilizing the software they already have. You know, the, mm. the answer is not always to change software, but sometimes there are, there's an opportunity to, to pick something different that meets those objectives well. And you don't want to think about the systems in isolation. You know, you mentioned integration. Having systems that communicate with one another is huge. It's not just the systems themselves. Like, for example, I was working with a nonprofit and they had an online fundraising tool where people would give by credit card. Okay. They were then manually data entering that those same gifts into their donor management database. Oh. And they were manually entering them a second time into their accounting system. And they were manually sending out receipts. And it's like, well, if you just had wow. online fundraising that talked to a CRM, that talked to accounting, that talked to marketing and automation, you, you could eliminate 
hundreds of hours a month of manual work <laughs> wow. just by having good systems. And so, wow. Yeah. And were they like, that. you are a genius, please help us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. They just don't have time to think about it. They've been doing the same process for 20 years and they just, that's not their goal. Their goal is to focus on their mission and rightly mm. so, but it's helpful to take a step mm. back and have more efficient processes so they can focus more on their mission ultimately. Yeah. I find a lot of times when I'm talking to nonprofit leaders and you ask them about the platforms or tools that they use, a lot of times it's like, they didn't even pick it out, right? It was somebody previous tenure to them and then there's turnover and then they inherit some kind of system and it's just like, hey, I got to work this and I'm, I got way too much going on anyways. And so I, we're just going to make this thing work and or we're locked into some sort of contract. And I think also sometimes it feels like more work to change, which is maybe at the very beginning, but then it's going to pay out big time exponentially, but it, but it feels like a lot of work. And so, yeah, there's a lot of dynamics playing into to decisions like this out of curiosity. What, what size nonprofits are, are, are we talking about here? Usually, you know, that there's a certain minimum size to even spend money on technology and have the time to step back. And that's usually about a, an annual revenue of certainly over a million dollars. Certainly once you're approaching $2 million, then you, you have the finances to realize that there's opportunities to increase efficiency. I think when a nonprofit is starting out from scratch and they're, they're below, like my little nonprofit is still smaller than that. And so at this point, I'm probably not going to spend money on picking software. But once we grow and we've grown our revenue, we've grown the ministry that we're able to do, then I would love to have more efficient processes. And then all the way, it keeps going up. And we work with people up to the 50 million plus size. But yeah, the larger you get, usually the more complex you get and the more opportunity there is to improve things. Gotcha. Yeah, Yeah, that was one of my follow-up questions was, is there a magic revenue number for an organization where it kind of gets figured out, right? Where it's like, okay, we're big enough that, everything's talking to one another, we're efficiently using technology, or is that just a total like pipe dream and you don't see that? Yeah. I don't know if there's a magic number that an organization needs to be, but yeah, there's certainly like a minimum size where for you to have enough time and resources to think about process improvement and not just, oh, we need to get more donations. You know, that's how it all starts out. We just need to grow our donor, donor base and, that, and rightly so at the beginning and grow the work that you're doing. And then you get to a certain point in, in money and stuff where you have time to think about it. But I don't think the magic number is the same for every org. It just is different depending gotcha. on size and capacity and also the kind of people that you have internally to deal with that. Okay. So then you move into, okay, we've done the assessment. We're taking inventory of what the correct tool set, for lack of a better word, is that we're going to be using. So then you got to work on implementation, right? Because that's a whole nother beast. And mm-hmm. how do you implement well is probably my next question. Love for your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think the danger of switching system A to system B is just like, okay, I have all my processes in my old system and I'm just going to take them and I'm going to put them in the new system. I have my data, I have my processes, I know how I send my receipts and I'm just going to do the same in a different system. Well, that's not actually going to help you. You're not Mm going to be better off. It's not just, so we often use the analogy of, of packing and moving houses. Okay. And it's not it's not good enough to just pack up the stuff in your old dining room and put it in the new dining room and open the boxes. Like maybe maybe in your new house you've got like you've got a dining room and you've got a family room in the kitchen and you need to think a little bit differently about how you're going to do it. And it's kind of the same with systems where, for example, maybe you had a flat project hierarchy in your old system and the new system has the opportunity to have a hierarchical project hierarchy so you can have more efficient reporting. Maybe you're gonna have a hierarchy that's based on country or area of ministry. And so there's opportunities to think about 
being more efficient or just doing things a little bit differently. Another thing I'll talk about is, is data hygiene. It's not often the best situation to get, for example, maybe maybe an organization has donors in their old system who haven't given for 20 years, you know, right. you're an old and older nonprofit. Do you need that 20 year old donor and all the history from 1990 to be in the new system? You know, maybe not. So mm. thinking about getting rid of stale data that that's not actionable data. And then also dealing with duplicates, things like that, and cleaning up records where maybe you've got a phone number and an email field or something like that. So data hygiene, business process improvement, and then just understanding what opportunities you have with that new system. I would say that if somebody has a process in mind, don't think about the baby steps. Think about the destination. Where do you want to be? For example, mm -hmm. maybe it's a receiving process. Maybe the goal is we want to get the receipt in the donor's hand or the acknowledgement in their hand within 24 hours of receiving the gift. And then you can work backwards from that instead of just duplicating the process you have today. So those are the things we like to do. So data hygiene, business process improvement, and just being strategic in how you use that new system. This episode is brought to you by Virtuous. Are you stuck using outdated, slow, and redundant technology to power your nonprofit? It's time to make the switch. Virtuous gives your organization the fundraising, volunteer, and marketing tools you need to create a more responsive donor experience and grow giving. Want to learn more? Get a personalized demo today at virtuous.org slash demo. That's virtuous.org slash demo. As you explain that, it made my mind go to a place where it's the tools chosen are really helping to, they're dictating the strategy, right? Of the organization. And yep. I don't normally think about that. You think you've got a strategy and then you're going to turn around and get tools to support that strategy. But really, it could be argued that it's, <laughs> or it's at least weighted just as much on both ends of the spectrum, I would say. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. Like if you have a car, you know, let's say you're moving from a Civic to a Tesla. And that's kind of a good analogy because people say, well, where do I put the gas pump? And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. And in fact, <laughs> you have some opportunities that you didn't have before because we've got autonomous driving. And if you can trust it, it's pretty cool. So there's opportunities with a new database to use best of breed technology. I use the example of sending a text message. For example, Virtuous CRM can send out actual physical postcards in the mail automatically to acknowledge a gift. That's amazing. There's not many systems that can do that or pull wealth data to understand who your prospects are and make good decisions about that or active listening on websites to know how they're interacting with you. So using that kind of technology to make better business decisions is really empowering, I think, to nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess logically on this framework we're using of assessment and choosing the right one and then implementing whatever those platforms or CRMs are going to be. Then you talked about a lot of all the different groups in that nonprofit utilizing different types of technology platforms. So how do we get these things to talk to one another? That's the big one, right? Like integrations. Mm -hmm. When you talk about that, I'd love your wisdom and insight there because I think that's a huge, huge opportunity in the average nonprofit and the people that I'm talking to because there are so many that are being used. Like you talked about, double or triple data entry a minute ago of, of of manually inputting all those different data. How should we be thinking about integrations and what's the right way to look at that? Yeah. So the, I think the important thing about integrations is you can't pick your systems, implement your systems, and then try and figure out how they should talk to each other. You need, you do need to have that in mind 
at the very beginning when you're selecting the software in the first place because there's software that communicates well and there's software that doesn't. And so if you pick an accounting system and a CRM that don't talk to each other, then you're going to have a lot more work to do after they're implemented. So I would actually make those decisions at the beginning based upon what they're already doing. And then usually I draw a diagram where Mm -hmm. it's a hub and spoke diagram. So in the middle of the bicycle wheel is your CRM. It's the system that ties everything else together. So data is either coming into that or coming out of that. Okay. And so you've got you got some things coming into that CRM. So the main thing would be your online fundraising tool. You've got something on your website. Maybe it's Classy. Maybe it's iDonate. Maybe it's Raise Donors, Virtuous Giving, whatever it might be, Fundraise Up, iDonate. And, and so the gifts are coming into that system. There's credit card processing associated with that. Those gifts should flow automatically into the CRM. There should not be double data okay. entry. They need to come in ideally instantaneously or certainly daily so that you know immediately in this, from the CRM perspective what gifts are coming in. Also, that's going to contain new donor information or change of address information. So that's probably the main source of new data. You may also be getting you know, a larger nonprofit is going to receive a large number of checks, and those checks have to be processed. Mm-hmm. And they may be using check scanning software. One of the ones we work with is called AQ2, and they produce this software and work with scanners to scan checks create into data file and import it in. So those kind of data sources, online and offline, need to come into your system. And then on the other side, you've got data coming out. And so two things, one would be email marketing. So you might have a CRM with built-in email marketing, which is great, or you might use a different outside third-party email marketing software like MailChimp or Constant Contact or uh, Campaign Monitor. And so you've got to get those email addresses into that system and then unsubscribes and changes back into the CRM. And then accounting software, I mentioned. There's different ways that nonprofits do accounting. Sometimes they do kind of summarized fund-based accounting where it's how much money did I receive in a particular fund in a particular date Mm -hmm. and that summarized revenues coming into the accounting software. Sometimes it's more detailed. Every gift is coming in and you definitely do not want to double data into all of that stuff from the CRM into the accounting software. So I would make those initial decisions about fundraising, marketing, CRM, accounting, and then even other tools like volunteer management, grant management, make decisions at the beginning, knowing that these tools either already integrate or can easily integrate. And then I guess the other comment I would make is sometimes there are situations where tools don't integrate and for whatever business reason, like this is the tool we have, this is the tool we need. Maybe it's custom software that you need to integrate in. There are other ways of getting data in that are a little bit more expensive and time consuming, but it's possible to create a custom integration. And there's two ways. In other words, if the two pieces of software, I'll use an example. Let's say you have Virtuous as your CRM. And if it's QuickBooks as the accounting software or Sage Intact, they already integrate, but maybe they use some other accounting software that does not integrate. So there's two ways you could solve that problem. One would be there might be an integration framework like Zapier. If the two Mm. tools use that, you could get them to communicate that way. Or if not, there is a potential to create a custom integration using APIs, Mm -hmm. which is application programming interface. It's essentially the glue that connects two systems together. So as long as two systems have a good set of well-documented REST APIs, you can get a, a development company to build a custom integration. And like I said, that that is more time-consuming and expensive. And I would only really recommend that if if there's software that can't already talk to each other, you know, one of the other ways and can't be easily replaced. But that's definitely an option for some people. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Super insightful. You know, so our listeners, we're coming in, we're, we're talking about being responsive. Part of being responsive, I believe, is to recognize what's going on in society around us, right? And the world that we live in. It started off with responsive fundraising, with responding to our donors. And there's a whole methodology behind that that we've talked about pretty extensively here. But I also think a way to think responsively around technology is like, wow, the world is offering us these technologies and these abilities. How can we best utilize those and leverage those inside of our nonprofit to propel our mission forward, which I think would be being a good steward of of what's happening in today's society and how we do that. My question is, where do you think this is all going? Like, what's the future for a responsive nonprofit, right? Like, we're asking these questions We're trying to get integrations, get our systems talking to one another, getting the right ones so we can efficiently do our work. But where does that head? Like, what's the final outcome that we're trying to get to and have it in a perfect world? Is that a vague enough question? (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think think the final answer is having software that you don't have to think about the software anymore. So you you want systems that just work. You shouldn't have to think about the software slowing me down, causing me pain. You want systems that just work in an efficient and effective way so that nonprofit can totally 100% focus on their ministry. So that means all the software needs to communicate. You're not worried about servers. You're not worried about backups. Those kind of things are handled for you. Your focus as a nonprofit is on how do we do our mission more effectively? If you need, there's a new opportunity to serve meals to homeless people. I don't want to kind of come up with some new complicated technology. I need I need a sign-up form. People need to show up at a certain point. We need to be able to you know, do a drive to collect donated items and and off we go. And so you want to have tools that are powerful, but usable, well-connected to one another. So you're not doing double data entry and things like that. Some of it's obviously the training, having software that's well communicated to your staff so they know how to use it well. But you want the software to basically be invisible. Like You don't want to think Mm. about how I need to use it. You just, it's there, it's available, and you can totally focus on the mission. Mm. I've never heard anybody explain it that way. I like that. The utopia is we're not even thinking about the software, right? Like it's just yep. it's easy button. It's working and we're able to go do our jobs better. I, I think that's really cool and effective. Anything else that nonprofits in the tech space that we need to be thinking of that maybe we aren't that needs to be brought to our attention? You can't forget about security. Unfortunately, it's not my favorite subject because it's always difficult. The more, the more security you have and the more you think about it, the more, oh, we have to have another way of logging into something or an even more complicated password. But we can't forget about it because there are people who are against the work that we might be doing, whatever motivation they may have. And so I think just keeping in mind that as decisions are made about technology, making sure that permissions are locked down in the appropriate way, there's enough password complexity and things like that. And then just knowing what the compliance standards are that a nonprofit needs to adhere to. Maybe it's HIPAA, maybe it's PCI, and picking software that adheres to those standards and then having partners that understand that and can help you think through that. That's definitely one area, uh, security. I think another thing I talk about would be the move from desktop and laptop to mobile as a primary. I mean, this is not a new thing that I'm saying now, but it's been true now for many, many, years that more than half of internet usage in the United States is mobile first. People right. are not traveling around. And, and, and so any information that's going to end up in the hand of a donor needs to be accessible on a cell phone. And sometimes people say that's an app. You know, It doesn't have to be an app. Not everybody wants 
5,000 apps on their cell phone. So sure. this needs to be quickly viewable in a mobile format, whether, whether they're receiving that as a notification from an app or in an email. You know, there's still nonprofits out there that are sending emails where you have to scroll left to right thousand you know times because it's not mobile friendly and you know that that should not be that should never be the case anymore it should be designed for mobile first so as you're i would say as as organizations are making decisions that are donor focused or you know where your constituents are going to consume information mm. having a mobile first mindset is definitely really important now that's super helpful that makes a lot of sense all right final question we asked this of all our guests and i, I love the array of answers that we get. And so the question is, and this is more personal, but I'd love to hear what generosity means to you. Yeah, thank you. I am a Christian and it's it's important to me. In fact, it's not it's not a requirement, but it's a strongly encouraged thing that we would give in response. Mm-hmm. And it's actually considered to be an act of worship when we mm-hmm. give. And so that that's how I see it for me and for my family. Like when when we give, we're is an act of worship, is an, is an act of thankfulness. And so, and we want to be joyful givers and cheerful givers. That's something that's described in the Bible. So for mm. me, it means it's an act of worship when I'm, you know, giving for that reason. But it's also just a way to say, to recognize and support really wonderful work that's happening. And when you believe in something, when you think that it's a good thing, it's making a difference to the world, whatever it may be, whether it's humanitarian or maybe it's faith-based, whether it's medical or educational, but you, you believe something's different, then you we're responsible for how we use everything that we have. We're not taking it with us at the end. So we want to use the resources that we have in a way that is, it's hard for me to say without using a, using a word like God honoring, but I, I want to honor God with everything he's given me. Mm. I think that's a, that's a good mindset to have just to have a heart of generosity so that this world can actually be a better place. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm I'm a listener here. I'm leading a nonprofit. I'm hearing this. How do I get in touch with you? How do I ask questions? How do I how do I find rooted online? Because I think we've got some things we're poking at in people's lives and in their organizations here that may have been surfaced. And I'm sure there are some folks that are want to talk to you. So can you lead us in the right direction? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Our website is rooted.software. No w anything or no.com, just rooted.software is our website. And my name is Toby Weiss. I'm available on LinkedIn, Toby Weiss. And be very happy to talk to anybody, you know, whether, whether they're looking to do the assessment and figure out what are the pain points with the software you have today? How can we have a better ecosystem or implementation of that software integrations? We also do IT support just to keep the Wi-Fi going and the printers running and the computers mm-hmm. humming along and the network sufficient and backed up. And also app, custom app development as well. So absolutely would love to talk to anybody. There's a contact form on our website be very happy to to meet with anyone that would like to work with us but yeah and again rob i'm just so thankful for you and for the amazing work that you have done with vomo and just the opportunity to be here today oh thank you so much yeah toby it's been great and yeah i just appreciate your insights i think that's going to help a lot of organizations i know it already has and i know there's a lot more out there that need it so appreciate you and your time and your wisdom today thank you and that's a wrap folks Thanks for tuning in this week to the Responsive Nonprofit Podcast. We are so grateful for your time. We know how busy you are and consider it a privilege to journey alongside you as you work to make change in our world. We believe in you and would love to hear from you. Projects like this are only as good as the feedback we get, the guests who come on, and all the topics we get to discuss. 
So if you have an idea, if you know of an impactful guest that must come on the show, or if you want to be a part of the responsive community, check us out over at virtuous.org backslash podcast and join the conversation. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite station. Your mission needs your collective talent and passion. So go forth and lead the charge forward and we'll be here cheering you on. We'll see you next week.